Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey everybody and welcome to The Crit Show. This is Rev. I am the host and keeper of The Crit Show, but today I'm actually here to talk to you about the Patreon that we have discussed. So I'd like to just take a little bit of time to talk to you about the tiers that we're going to have as well as the things that will be available if you decide to support us. Our Patreon will launch on January 2nd. We have five tiers in the Patreon. We have the Initiate, the Professional, the Expert, the Divine, and the Chosen. The Initiate is $1 a month, and it comes with access to our Discord channel, a shout-out on the podcast, also your name on our website. The Professional is the $5 tier. It comes with all the things that you get in the Initiate tier, but it also includes an RSS feed to the Crit Show bonus content. The bonus content right now will consist of Hero Salad, which will come out twice a month, and Investigate the History, which will come out once a month. The Expert is the $10 tier. It includes everything from the Professional and the Initiate tier, and also, once a month, you'll get desktop wallpaper made by The Portrait Dude. Uh, the Portrait Dude is a phenomenal photographer. We are very lucky to have him as a sponsor, and he has been doing photo shoots with the guys because he is a wonderful cosplay photographer. We have a couple images that we have shared in the past, uh, but we've been hoarding some of them so that we can give them out at this tier. Every month, you will get some desktop wallpaper of maybe Tash with his sniper rifle, or Jake fighting the soul bat, or TJ blowing something up that, well, shouldn't be blown up. If you're familiar with Wes's photography style, no matter what it is, it always ends up being beautiful. In fact, I actually have two of his photos as my desktop background right now. And in addition to that, you'll also be invited to a monthly live chat, which we'll kind of treat as an AMA, so you can talk to us about, well, really, whatever you want. The Divine is the $20 a month tier. And it includes everything with the expert, the professional, and the initiate. And four times a year, you'll get a little something from us in the mail. Could be some dice used in the show, or it could be any number of pieces of swag that we have been working with Wes over at Stylish Senpai to come up with. If you are an international patron, there is an additional $5 for that tier just because of international shipping. And the final tier is the chosen tier. It includes everything in the previous four tiers. Uh, and it should be noted that there will only be one of these available at the launch of the Patreon. If there happens to be demand for more, well, we'll see what we can do. The chosen tier is $100 a month, and for that, you'll get everything included in the previous four tiers, and once a month for three hours, I'm going to run a game of Monster of the Week for you and three of your friends. If this is a tier you're interested in splitting with some of your friends, this tier also can include three additional RSS feeds. So now that you know a little bit about the tiers, first thing I want to go into is some of the bonus content that we have. And to talk about that, we're going to go to Tass, who is the game master of our first bonus content piece, Hero Salad.
Tass, tell me, where did you get the idea for Hero Salad? What game are we playing? What's kind of the, the general rundown here? So this has been something that's been near and dear to my heart for, oh God, about 15 years now, I think, almost 16. And it harkens back to the glory days of the MMORPG City of Heroes, uh, which you got me hooked on. Yes. <laughs> I saw you playing the beta, I believe, and I played on your account for a few hours and then uh, got went and got it myself and have been was hooked ever since and played for many, many years. And I believe it was the second character I made was this ridiculous kind of vegetable hero. And to give everybody context, if you've never heard of this game, it was really revolutionary, especially for like an MMO type game, that there were just almost infinite combinations of costumes that you could make right out the gate. Not like things like, wow, and you make your character and then any cosmetics you have to work for. No, you just had it. You had all of these amazing options and sizes of characters you could make and um, different costumes. And I was eating a bowl of soup at the time that I was flipping through the the uh, um, the choices and trying to think of something to make. And there was a carrot on my spoon. And I had just gone over and there was a um, essentially a costume piece that it was it was hair. It was this really tall, spiky hair. And I went, oh my God, I know what I'm going to make. So I made the tallest, thinnest muscular looking dude just 100% orange from from toes to head uh with the bright green hair and he was the mighty man carrot and it was just the dumbest thing and I'd run around and and group up with people and he was a tank you know and vulnerable and could take all the hits and he kind of made a name for himself like I'd like to say that I did it but he just did because it was he was his own little character and uh, you know, Rev, you joined me making some other kind of ridiculous fruit and veggie characters. And uh, we had a whole cadre of people at one point um, with just terrible, terrible fruit and veggie superhero pun names. And if you had picked a different can that day, we might be playing like Champions of Chili or something. Yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Uh, oh, side God. quest. And uh, yeah, and so it just kind of kept growing and growing. And I decided, you know, one of my favorite things that I love about any storytelling is the idea of the silly character that becomes very serious. And so that's kind of how I built this story for them is that they were legitimate top tier superheroes and they fell for some ruse or something happened and they got transformed and depowered into these ridiculous looking heroes and then had to work their way back up from the ground up. What game system are we in here? We are using one called Worlds in Peril. Yeah. Now, I realize that there's a lot of difference between Worlds of Peril and, say, Monster of the Week or even any of the other games that we've kind of looked at. Can you give me one or two elements of this that you really like? Because I know that we'll talk about all the moves and all the powers and all Mm -hmm. that stuff, you know, when we actually play the game. But um, what are some of your favorite things about this game and the way that it's different from some of the others? The main thing that I adore about this is the way that the kind of um, basic stats work. Um, because, you know, like Monster of the Week, of course, that we usually play, if you're wanting to do a thing, you have a thing you roll. If you want to hurt somebody, you roll kick some ass and so on. Um, but this is one where you really get to justify what you're going to use and why. Um, so if you want to hurt somebody, I mean, how are you trying to do it? If you can sell me on it, I'm going to allow it. If you're trying to hurt them by getting around them fast enough to disorient them and they fall off a cliff, well, use maneuver and you get it done. And it doesn't necessarily have to be smash 
switch, if you want to just hit them in the face as hard as you can and cause them pain, yeah, you'd roll smash in that situation. I just love the versatility of that. Um, so that was the main thing that I latched on to. And the other thing that is going to be a challenge for me that I really enjoy is the way that you level up in this game. Because it's not traditional. There's not like experience that you gain that lets you level up and like, say, pick a new power. Um, it goes by this idea of having a drive book. And so each character you kind of one at a time pick a thing that you're working towards and these are all in you know in the in the book in the text that you look through and you pick and um, when you pick what it is that you're working towards that gives me kind of homework where I have to set up these situations that you could feasibly accomplish or not you know again the roles are going to be what the roles are going to be but if you accomplish these things then you start to get bonuses you start to um, let's say you you've you picked one where you want to inspire Well, if you've accomplished this task that the book gives you, then from now on you get pluses when you're trying to inspire people and do other things that are, um, you know, in that vein. And so there are a ton of these, a couple dozen. And so it gives everyone a chance to pick something that they're working towards when they accomplish it. They have that badge and they can do it. And then they pick something new to work on to improve as a superhero, whether a budding superhero or a professional, everybody has something to work on. Okay. So, you know, obviously people are listening to this and listening to us talk about this game and deciding if they, uh, you know, would like to support the Patreon. So we've talked a lot about fruit and vegetable puns in this world. (laughs) I want you to give me the name of a supervillain that you think will just really push people over the edge of, yep, I have to join in on this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to give you my all time favorite. Um, and he'll pop up a lot. He he may be the main baddie. He may not. He may end up being an ally. I never know what you guys are going to do with this stuff. But my favorite is Dr. Disparagus. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture like a gray piece of asparagus. <laughs> just a frowny face. Yep. With googly eyes glued on. Okay. Dr. Disparagus. Mm-hmm. So I guess tune in to find out how we deal with the machinations of Dr. Disparagus, which is just fun to say. Yes. All right, so now that you've got a little bit of background about worlds in peril and hero salad, let's hear about the heroes that are going to make up this salad. Okay, so uh, who wants to talk about their character first? I can. Let's hear it. All right, so my character is named Cinder. Uh, She is an alien, so she is basically slumming it on Earth. Um, She is like the equivalent of post-college age (laughs) on her planet and where a lot of people would do some like additional schooling or get a job or whatever she was just kind of like she's taking a gap year or five (laughs) or ten is this her backpacking around europe yeah this is her backpacking around europe nice so she came to earth uh because like they're aware of earth earth isn't aware of them but they're aware of earth and they kind of look down on it like we're lesser but she came here and kind of liked the place and decided to stick around and while she was here realized that like it's it's in some trouble on a fairly frequent basis so one of the things about her is that she's got all these abilities that manifest to a lesser degree on her planet but they manifest uh, in a stronger way on earth and she saw other heroes and stuff on earth and she was like oh i could do that i could help while i'm here and so she decided to become a hero nice so she fits right in in this sort of city of meta humans and yeah okay i like that i dig that so her uh, her stuff is all pretty much 
like star powers like star related she can manipulate gravity to some degree so one of the ways she does that is she can allow herself to fly um another thing that she can do is actually kind of like pull things like she can increase the gravity near or around something and kind of change its direction pull them towards her okay um and then her main thing is just kind of like energy blasts pure solar energy that like she fires off a little not a beam exactly it's like a like a unit of energy like a, a little bomb almost so it, you know, it glows and it flies. And when it hits something, there's just a little detonation. And so she can use these in varying degrees. So for her simple powers, you know, fly and just a little one-handed blast and a small gravity pull. For her difficult powers, like a two-handed blast uh, and like a medium gravity pull. So something like the size of a mailbox as opposed to the size of like a baseball or something. Um, and then the borderline power she's got right now is a boulder-sized blast. Uh, and then under possible, I just, I called it spirit bomb because I imagine that it's basically <laughs> that size. It's Goku summoning the spirit bomb. Okay. So her stats are uh, plus two to maneuver because uh, I feel like she's got to be pretty dexterous to fire off these blasts and to fly. Minus one to investigate. Uh, she's like excitable and really invested in what's going on all the time. But for that reason, she doesn't have the greatest attention span. Oh, sure. So she doesn't pick up on details as well. Oh, that I think that feeds in her being from another planet too. It just might be harder for her to pick up context. Yeah. Um, plus one to protect. She, you know, made the specific decision. Like I can use my powers to do good while I'm here. So she wants to protect people. Uh, plus one to influence because she's really charming. She's, she's excitable and she's happy go lucky and people just tend to like her. Uh, and then zero smash because she is not super like physically imposing. She's not super strong. Um, she, she deals with things with like dexterity. You know, she, she finesses her way around. She doesn't just crush things. Very cool. Um, and then her... Uh, her drive from the beginning is inspire. Um, she wants to be an icon and make a difference and encourage people to stand up for themselves ultimately. So she's trying to not just protect people, but fundamentally shift the way that they think and behave like, oh, we can be responsible for ourselves. We can help ourselves now. Uh, for her bonds, she has two with the city and two with law enforcement. Again, she's just a likable person. She likes to work with the cops. One with encumbrance. Uh, and one with First Line, who are kind of her preliminary teammates. Uh, one with her home planet. So even though they kind of look down on her being here and doing what she's doing, like they're her people, they've kind of got her back still. Uh, and then two with an NPC, actually, uh, Tussler. She's got two with her. They are besties. They they kind of like room together and hang out together and, and go to the clubs together and stuff. So that's who she has the most bonds with on the team. And uh, just to get into that spoiler, not spoiler territory... What is the name you've chosen for her after the tragedy befalls the hero syndicate and she is transformed? Uh, her post-transformation name is Cherry Bomb. I love it. Very good. Okay, who wants to go next? I'll do it. Excellent. So uh, my character's name is The Encumbrance. Uh, so The Encumbrance's origin is that uh, he was just a regular guy who was basically manipulated into this cult but he thought he was going into a cult for like good things yeah which makes sense in this world like those exist there's magic there's um uh, mutants there's all sorts of things that would have power so like cults here aren't the same thing that we think about so that makes sense there are a lot of people in these power-based kind of communities right and so in this particular cult though he is being manipulated with illusion and he is being tailored into the avatar of the illusionary goddess in this world. 
And so he's being like shown all of these amazing, beautiful things. And then in the end, he ends up killing his girlfriend for a sacrifice, but he doesn't know it because thinks he's doing amazing, beautiful things. And so he wakes up one day from this illusionary dream and there's this whole room filled with dead people. And it's like this cave off from the city uh, where this cult is. And he is taken in by the hero syndicate and they heal him in the sense of um, his mental state and uh, learning his powers and everything of illusion. And he finds out that it's all magic-based illusion. So, like, it it can affect both minds and the physical world. Very cool. Okay, what are some examples of that? Uh, Well, so some of his more simple, like, powers is, like, he can create a decoy of himself. So if he ever needs to distract somebody, he's got a decoy. He can turn invisible. His travel power is, it's really interesting because he creates a decoy, but he creates such a good decoy of himself that it's almost like he passes on his, his consciousness and his soul into this decoy and it's almost like a teleport so he can basically teleport but it's not like the traditional teleport where you're moving matter from place to place it's almost like you're moving your consciousness and your soul and your physical being matter (laughs) i guess (laughs) from place to place it's like the prestige yeah kind of like the prestige (laughs) do you have a machine that like crushes your old body once you're done right (laughs) (laughs) no they just slumped (laughs) they just slumped to the ground so there's all these husks just just husks everywhere (laughs) there's a guy waiting with these just big things of water <laughs> it's a yeah. guy like the, at the end of the Rocky and Bullwinkle parade. He's just got a trash can on wheels and a <laughs> big shovel. <laughs> yeah. And then, like you know, he can do like glamour type things. You know, he, almost like um, like Jubilee. It's you know just kind of little things to distract people with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of like the more difficult things is like he can cause such a great illusion in somebody's brain that it causes pain. Oh, so okay. that's like where he can like smash. He can create elusive images onto himself and on others as well. So then like he can create, you know, someone and make them look like a dog, you know, uh, if he wanted to like. uh, Good example. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, And he can also, you know, change the environment around, you know, people and everything. But it's probably a little more difficult because it's such a, you know, bigger illusion. So it's probably going to be for just like one person or two people at a time because this is very difficult. Type sure. Stuff. So like up in like the borderline or even have to push to make them more real kind of right. categories. Yeah. Yeah, I if gotcha. I, yeah. And then like for the borderline, I actually have one called like sensory inducement where he makes such a good illusion that this person thinks it's like the real deal, like smells, sound, uh, like it feels real to that person. Uh, but in actuality, it's just an illusion. So some of my stats, uh, not some of them, all of my stats. Uh, it's very generous of you to share them all. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Uh, maneuver, I have plus one because uh, with my teleport power, I can get around a little bit better. Uh, my investigate isn't great. It's a zero. I just assume it's because it's like any old person who's trying to figure out, you know, a puzzle or uh, trying to figure out what's going on. It's, you know, 50-50 on that point. But he's not really physically able to take a lot of uh, hits. So his protect is at negative one. However, with his illusionary powers, his influence is a lot greater so he's got a plus two to influence and to manipulate like someone into doing things for him Uh, and then um for the smash i got a plus one as well because i think you know that pain illusion especially will come in handy especially when we're putting conditions on people he'll be really good with that especially with influencing and all that yeah very cool Thank you. uh what about your bonds who have you made connections with uh well i've got two with the city uh one with law enforcement 
one with Cinder and one with First Line. And then uh, I had enough that I wanted to create my own sort of bond with you know something outside of all of these. Okay. So I created the Occult Underground. So it'd be like John Constantine like talking to Papa Midnight okay, for like some yeah. extra advice or something like that. So Very yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that'd yeah, be an you. expansive kind of... Um, group of that in the city so that's that's good i right. like that especially since it's magic based and everything so and then uh my origin is the deal in other words i was manipulated by this cult into making this deal with this deity but it was almost like a forced deal and that deal will eventually come around to probably haunt me in the end my drive is i'm trying to keep the past at bay this this whole cult thing was such a was such a traumatic experience and everything that i'm trying to keep all that awfulness that was part of this at bay and again it's probably going to end up coming to bite me in the butt eventually and i'm going to have to deal with it it might just i don't know i guess we'll see all right good stuff um what did you choose for your post uh trauma name after the change happens well since i was the encumbrance i will for hence be called the cucumbrance. Oh God, I love it. I yes. love it so much. Yeah, I'm a giant cucumberman. <laughs> cucumberman. Yep. John Cucumberman. All right, last but not least, who do we got on the team? So my character is David Young, and his origin is the legacy. He is the first line of defense. That is the name of the power that he has, and he goes by first line. Um, and the first line of defense is a power that was essentially created by the city. Uh, when people live together, you know, that energy, that magic, that aura, whatever of just lives together for a long time. And it created the ability to give some of that energy to someone who could protect the city. Um, and so it's an actual piece uh, called the Heart of the City, which is a stone from the first building built here. And it's something that's passed on from generation to generation. Every 20, 25 years, there's a new first line of defense. And it's something that in the city, you know, everyone who lives here knows about it. They know who it's going to be. It's kind of celebrated. It is a big handing off ceremony. And you're usually trained by the previous first line of defense. And David came across the current first line dying. He had gotten into a battle and something overpowered him and David offered to go get the person who was supposed to be the next first line and he said, no, it's you and he handed him the piece and so suddenly he has these powers but he has none of the training. Um, and so that kind of gets into my stats. Uh, so my maneuver is zero. Uh, my investigate is plus one. Uh, my protect is plus one because that's the thing that he knows at least you're supposed to do as this. Mm-hmm. Uh, his influence is minus one because nobody knows who he is. Everyone was right. expecting, hey, here's this kind of pseudo celebrity and they're going to be the next first line. And then all of a sudden, here's this person that we don't know and they have it. Why? Who is this? And then his smash is plus two because uh, because that's a big part of what they're able to do with their power set. Uh, so the power set, I still in the mindset of City of Heroes, I made kind of a name for each of my power sets. I love that. Um, and so he's got three power sets. He has building blocks of the city. He has senses of the city and resistance of the city. So for the simple, uh, his building blocks of the city is matter mimicry that he can basically like the absorbing man that he can touch something. If it's part of the city, he becomes, you know, made of it. Nice. So he can touch the asphalt. He can touch the brick. He can touch the steel of a building and take on that property and become, you know, that tough or that dense. And then in the difficult area, he can do small manipulations. He can bring some some road up to cover a wall to make it a little thicker. He can pull a hammer to smash with out of the cement. And then on his borderline with that, 
he can do larger manipulations. Maybe he can make the road ripple, or maybe he can really concentrate and pull a small building down. Nice. God, I see that as like you turning the road into like a like a tsunami wave and just tackling over any uh, bad guys. Um, And then the possible one, and this is he only knows it's possible because he's seen the previous first line do it. Uh, I call City Gollum, and it's basically that he can just pull huge parts of the city and make a giant construct and be in the middle of it controlling it nice uh and then for his senses of the city they're much more simple this is kind of kind of like some of the stuff that daredevil can do um that he can eavesdrop if it's something that's being said in the city he can try to concentrate and focus and hear the conversation that's going on try to focus in on something Uh, and then the difficult version of that is tracking that you know if he's chasing somebody and he feels their footfalls and they get away from him he can try to focus see if he can feel that or you know if he feels a bunch of things falling on the ground okay what direction is that coming from because i heard an explosion so i'm going to assume this is where the explosion came from uh, and then his borderline is uh, what i call five alarm and it is basically that when there's something the city needs not the people but the actual kind of entity of the city it's like his spider sense oh there is heat there is panic there is you know tremors go here just go this is something you have to fix um, and so it's kind of like his being on call for the city yeah uh, well, how does he get there Oh, yeah. So anybody who's played this game probably has noticed that we all have an additional power Mm -hmm. than normal. And again, this comes from City of Heroes because Tass gave us all a free travel power. I did. Thanks, buddy. I know, right? Uh, And so my travel power is to essentially meld down into like the concrete or into the stone and just travel through it. Left turn to Albuquerque. I love it. (laughs) Uh, And then the, uh, the resistance of the city, his first one is that, well, I call it patch, that, you know, if he is... If he has taken damage and he's made of asphalt, he could scoop some off of the ground and kind of smooth it over. And when he turns back to his human form, it would be healed, kind of like how Iceman can do. Yeah. Uh, And then the more difficult version of that is called repair. And it's, you know, if he's got a broken leg, if he can find a way to set it before he turns back, it should be okay. I dig it. Um, So we talked about this a little. Uh, How does that work? How does that translate with your bonds? Yeah. So my bond, uh, I have one bond with a city and one with law enforcement. and only because you have to have that. Um, if the game let me have zero, I would because, you know, they don't know me. But I think I have it because this super team has vouched for me. Right. Yeah, um, they have a lot of pull. So. Yeah, okay. I've started to train with Pillar, uh, who is the leader of this team. And we have kind of a, at least somewhat of a similar power set. Uh, so he is actually my next bond. I have a bond with the Pillar of Justice. And then I, of course, have two bonds, one with each of my teammates. And then I actually have a negative bond. I have a minus one to Aiden Chambers. And Aiden Chambers is the kid who was supposed to be the first line. So he is the person that sees it that I have taken these powers from him. That's good stuff. Um, What does he become after the fact? So the first line of defense after the transformation becomes the first vine on the fence. (laughs) And he goes by first vine and... He basically looks like, uh, I think the vegetable that we found was like persimmons grow this way. Yeah. That it is, you know, kind of muscular lumps that is the actual vegetable, but then there's vines, almost like that fighter in Clay Fighters, how the pumpkin guy was like <laughs> oh, all yeah, yeah. pumpkins and vines. So he looks like that. Outstanding. So there you've got a little bit of a sense of at least the characters in play in Hero Salad. Next, I would like to give you just a little bit of a taste of Investigate the History. 
Investigate the History is a conversation between myself and my good friend, uh, Professor Carolyn Conover, where she does a deep dive on the mysteries and the myths and the legends that make up each story arc of The Crit Show. So our first episode covers the Halifax, and she talks about things like the Curse of Macbeth, or the history of vampires and werewolves, and even a little bit about nymphs. Okay, so should we jump into Halifax so. yeah. storyline? Uh, well, so right off the bat, my nerd brain noticed two things. Um, when Margaret is setting up the location and kind of setting out the exposition for how the story is going to go, I noticed um, that it's on Drury Lane next to the muffin shop. Yeah. So uh, please tell me that that was just off the cuff and not a specific reference that's that's necessary for people to understand no, the connection it, to that nursery rhyme. It is just completely off the cuff. They asked me the roads. Um, you know, one of their favorite things is to ask for unnecessary details. For some reason, that scene from Shrek was in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just threw those both out there. Yeah. So th- that is completely arbitrary. Um, there is not a secret gingerbread man running around committing <laughs> murders by the Halifax. Yeah, was like on another hallway they didn't turn down. I mean, down. I guess I shouldn't say that. He could be out there. <laughs> it will. So tradition holds that Macbeth has been cursed since its first performance, um, and even in some of its production, its early kind of inception. There are these intense supernatural elements with the witches, the three witches controlling the weather. There are There's Hecate, or Hecate, depending on who you ask, um, who does this summoning of the apparitions and the magical spells. A lot of this is connected prior to the play that was written, um, that Shakespeare wrote the play in order to gain favor with England's then king, James I, who was not only descended from the same Stuart line as Banquo, which is the hero, but who was also a firm believer in witches and the dangers of the occult and the presence of the devil. James I published his own study of witchcraft and demonology in 1597, so a few years before Macbeth was written. So we have that influence and is no doubt connected to the kind of eeriness of the work itself. So rumor has it that some local practitioners of black magic were not happy with how they were portrayed on stage and were, you know, at the height of witch scare in the 1600s, early 1600s, and they were not pleased with the public revelation of some of their rituals and incantations. So some people think that Shakespeare includes verbatim in Act 4 when they actually do Hecate's summoning. Those are actual lines from an incantation that were used in ceremonies. So it's like the the modern day version of when magicians put on a mask and show you how the tricks were done and then like other magicians try to have them assassinated. And so they were not pleased. Legend holds that they decided to curse the play and any future production of it. So the most popular and long held superstition is that uttering the word Macbeth outside of the play itself where it's in the text is bad luck and puts bad luck on the production and the actors acting it. There are ways to remedy this. Um, You can spin around and say a few lines from Hamlet 
and to cancel out the bad juju. Um, there's also something that's been written. So thrice around the circle bound evil sink into the ground is what you're supposed to say to cancel out the negativity. Do you know why Hamlet? I don't know why specifically Hamlet. It, did but the witches Hamlet, just, it they brings, they're like, you know what? We like this Hamlet guy. We just hate Hamlet. <laughs> we just... The witches hate Hamlet, so in oh. order, it would be that the witches are offended by Hamlet, right? Oh, so and you it have scares to, them away. You have to scare them away. Oh, yeah, I see. Because if you if you did more of what they liked, it would they'd stick around. Oh, I thought it was like an appeasement. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> what's your favorite? Here's this here's this play that you like better. It's like, well, I'm really much of a, give me a little bit from Midsummer. Yeah, baby. I'm really more of a much ado about nothing witch, but. <laughs> I like Prospero. Bring on some Prospero. That's that's the kind of magic I can get behind. I don't remember if Jake mentions this. Is is his hammer like Thor's hammer have the um, unnaturally short handle? So it can only be wielded with one hand? Tell me about that. Tell, yes, tell me about it. There's a reason he doesn't. So um, there's a collection of weapons in North mythology that are called thunder weapons that are connected to lightning like Thor's hammer. So it's not just the hammer. But um, Thor's hammer has an unnaturally short handle because there was an error in its manufacturing. So what happens essentially is that Loki, so there are two dwarves that make the hammer and Loki makes a bet to them. He actually bets his head to these two dwarves that they cannot make a weapon as beautifully as the competing dwarf weapon makers. But Loki uh, bets them that they cannot make a hammer as beautiful as these other two brothers. And then as they're making the hammer and one of them is bellowing the flames, Loki turns himself into a fly and starts distracting the dwarf who's bellowing. And he distracts him long enough from the bellows to wipe the fly away that he can't complete the length of the hammer handle, which leaves Thor's hammer handle unnaturally short. Um, meaning that it can't be wielded with two hands. So in Jake's using of this hammer, I was curious if he ever specifically clarified that it can only be used with one hand, because that was all set up by Loki being a trickster and... And they come to get his head because they claim the hammer's beautiful. And he says, well, you can have my head, but you can't cut my neck. That wasn't part of the deal, so they Uh, can't take his head. Classic Loki move. Classic Loki. So that gives you just a little bit of a taste of the kind of stuff that Carolyn is going to talk about. Every month we will cover a different story arc. So if you are someone who enjoys the lore behind things, I think you'll really enjoy Investigate the History. Thanks for spending a little time with us. Again, the Patreon will launch on January 2nd. We'll have five tiers available at launch, and you can find it at patreon.com slash thecritshow. Uh, so the last thing that I'd like to leave you with is just a little taste of what's in store for the future of Hero Salad. find this warehouse and uh, you see the guards that are posted at all of the four major corners. It's pretty obvious even from a distance that they are just, these guards are barely hiding what they are. Like they're kind of dressed up as warehouse workers, but I mean, they've got questionable boxes next to them that, you know, probably house a rifle or, you know, just... That guy's been carrying around that guitar case for a week. I haven't seen him play a note. (laughs) Hasn't played a single thing. Um, that jackhammer sure does look like an RPG. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just 
paper mache around an RPG <laughs> around a rocket. No, I, I, I think he literally has an RPG, but he's just pretending to jack it up. He's slamming it on the ground. Uh, this seems dangerous. <laughs> I'm bad at what I do. Oh my god. All right, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and turn invisible then and sneak my way into the uh, the warehouse. Uh, most notably, if we could do it during the changing of the guard. Because if they're opening doors, I won't have to touch them. I just, I'm really proud of you, Cinder. I really am. So, um, here, I, I just, I want you to have this. And pulls out something that you recognize instantly. Uh, it's a necklace. And on it is a green eye. And the pupil of the eye is a crosshair. And this is the necklace of the very first alien superhero to ever come to Earth. Oh my God. You know, I'm so proud of you kids. You guys are, you know, better than we ever were. And so I think it's time. And I think an alien should have it. I think that's, uh, you know, the right thing. And I think you should wear it proudly where I never felt like I could. I think that as he's just kind of rambling, she just throws her arms around him to give him a big hug before he can finish that thought. He absolutely is like hiding a little bit of a tear and just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Just, just remember, what do we do? We set him up. We knock him down. That's right. We do. You got this girl. I was hoping, like, we set him up, and, um, and things happen. <laughs> and remember to drink your Ovaltine. I know. <laughs> right. It's like she never gets any of the, uh, the, the, she, the metaphors. Uh, or anything, right? I, I haven't been on the this idioms. planet long enough. I don't understand these phrases. You can't place why you feel like this, but you can feel like all of this energy is facing inside. I'm going to go to my my comm. Sure. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I felt it. I can feel it. There's energy running through this building. It's like three kinds of heat. I think one of them is Tracy Jordan. Uh, <laughs> there's there's three kinds of energy. And there's electricity and there's magic and there's something else. It's familiar, but it's all facing in. Whatever these walls are, they're meant to keep something in so i'm going to try an elusive image of myself okay to to cinder and um first line because what i'm trying to do is communicate with them and this is probably the only way i can do it it starts to go out and you know initially like it's almost like a wave that you're sending towards them of this image that you want to be out there Mm -hmm. and you know instinctively it wouldn't have it just wouldn't have gotten that far i didn't i didn't quite get it gotcha but even before it can get to that point, you feel like that fading energy hits the outer wall in the direction of where they were going, the outer wall of this warehouse, mm-hmm. and it just stops. Something's blocking my power, I say to myself in <laughs> good old-fashioned superhero monologue. You actually see Pillar, and he waves at them. And one turns and shoots at him with a machine gun. And he goes, oh, okay. And he ducks back down. Um, call on that. What are the other ones doing? They're suddenly, there's at least a flurry from those other four where they're like, oh, oh, and they start to come around the corner. You out on the warehouse can kind of see him pointing up that way and getting his gun. And a couple of them are putting down pistols and they're uh, kicking open their boxes and getting much bigger rifles. Um, One of them's on a comm um, and they're looking up there. You can absolutely hear them. I don't know. I don't know who it was. He was big though. No, it couldn't have been. Why would Pillar be here? No way. No, 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 no. It wasn't him. Go, go, go. And I jump off the building and transform and land. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I'm going to push. I'm not going to push, but I'm going to do one of my borderline powers. Okay. Like just in this panic of, oh God, look how wrong I was. I just told him that these people couldn't see him. 
And so as I leap off, I'm going to draw as much of the building with me as I can and just flatten that group if I can. Absolutely. <laughs> Roll takedown with smash. Just get a 12. 14. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. The ground is like when you drop a boulder into a lake. The whole uh. ground ripples and these guys are tossed into the air. One of them almost makes it to the roof, hits the side and falls down. Um, the other ones, you know, a couple of them just shoot wildly as they're like, huh! and they smack the ground and they're out. Pillars on his calm going point of entry. What are we taking? What are we taking? I'm just going to spin where I'm at and try to make a hole there. Because we said that I'm probably a little bit faster as a flyer, that I'm really booking it down there, like to just to back him. Yeah. And that like as soon as like I want to like fly up, like as soon as he makes a hole in that, not even using like my normal size blasts, just a shitload of tiny ones, like a machine gun. Oh, just yeah. as soon as there's a hole, just going like just firing through it at whatever might be in there. The syndicate has showed up and uh, Pillar is looking to you two. Did you want a written invitation? I cleared the way. <laughs> Let's do it. And they charge in. Sharp shot is kind of pointing over at uh, Cinder and he's like, they're lined up. And he gets down. This isn't even rolls. He gets down with his gun and he's just blasting these blasts of energy out of this massive gun, just kind of chipping away at chunks of the uh, of the golems that are on the ground still moving. Yeah. And I'll, I'll do the same. Basically, like if he's taking the left row. Yeah. Yeah. If he's taking the left column. I'll take the right column. Lady Tarot walks up and um, her third eye opens and she looks around and she goes, oh, oh, no. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear from the psychic. Nope. You see a very tall man. His body is covered in kind of a leafy, viney material. He's got a shock of tall, kind of spiky, lighter green hair. He's wearing a long sleeveless lab coat and these thick gloves. And this is Pillar's twin brother, the one that you guys know as Disparagus, mockingly. And he locks eyes with you. He sets his jaw. Gates fall everywhere. Gates are coming down from the roofs behind the hole that was busted on the sides. You see a green aura burst from the very center of the ceiling and spread out like a dome until it hits the walls at all four corners and then goes straight down into the ground. And you all feel horrible, horrible pain and you pass out. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's a tale of learning and healing. We've got a whole province going to see one overworked witch in a candy cottage that's been chewed to pieces by the local kids. Of fairies and magic. You're touching the sapphire of assessment! I'm not touching it! I'm just putting my head near it as I focus my brainial waveforms on it. Stop it! I'm not even touching it! Of struggle against the odds. This is my team. They may not live up to your vision of a perfect, efficient department. They don't live up to my vision of a stampede in a barnyard. Ooh, kingly. That's how you know it's working. <laughs> and now, it returns at last. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, Season 2. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, from Fable and Folly. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts or look us up at fableandfolly.com.